Viktor Frankl said, Everything can be taken from a man but one thing, the last of the human freedoms. To choose one's attitude in any given set of circumstances, to choose one's way. This is Finding Human with Sue Jackson. Stay tuned for the next hour as Sue explores the human psyche, what makes us tick and how to live better, more fulfilled and more meaningful lives. Only on 101.9 High FM. Hello, this is Sue Jackson, and my guests today are Classy Vessels, John Turler, and Sonia Human. Welcome to you all. Before we start our program, I just want to say that we that Israel is currently under rocket attack from Gaza, and if if uh, a siren goes off, we will be sending the sirens in real time. They will be off. And uh, the citizens will have between 30 seconds and two minutes to get to their bomb shelters. So we will be letting the sirens go in real time. And we send my support to my family, friends, and everybody affected by this violence in that area. Our topic today is pillars of strength. And which the, the pillars of strength are actually four elements. It's physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual. And Classy was on my program in March this year, and he told me that he was going on a trip to the Himalayas, and he is back. And he's with John and Sonia, and Classy, you are going to introduce them. Classy runs the street school, the, because of this attack, it sort of thrown my head a bit. Um, it's a, there are, the street schools are journeys of internal discovery, and he does private workshops, um, Work, uh, corporate workshops and takes uh, groups of people to the Himalayas and to Tibet. Welcome back and I mean to go in a pandemic classy, that is just quite amazing. Hi Sue, yeah thank you, it's, it's so great to be back and uh, yeah I was uh, you know just connecting on this uh, talk with uh, with the two other guests that we have, uh, uh, John and Sonia uh, it's sort of a, a almost a tearful reunion. Um, there were 15 of us, um, and yeah, there, there's so much that we would like to share because it was a risky uh, endeavor on so many fronts. Um, but it's wonderful to be back. Uh, we've got some wonderful stories, and for me, on a personal level, to see the philosophy of Frankel in action on a journey like this. Um, you know, you mentioned the four pillars of strength. Uh, it was absolutely amazing just to see how. Frankel's rich philosophy of discovering meaning and, and purpose and fulfillment actually rolls out in, in real life. So would you like to introduce John and Sonia to us? Start with Sonia from uh, Somerset West. Both of them are from Somerset West. And I met Sonia about a year and a half ago when she phoned me to say she's going to come to Basecamp in 2021. And uh, when she finally contacted me to say, listen, is this trip still on? I was so surprised because it was COVID and all those, you know, all those terrible things. But uh, Sonia was like, um, she was one of the more senior members of the, of the group, but definitely the life of the party. She, she made us laugh. <laughs> <laughs> and John, tell me about John. So, so John is also from Somerset West. Um, they, as Johnny and Sonia know each other through mutual friends, and also a businessman from from Somerset, and and you know also in the space of education and so on. And also, it was great to to have John on the trip with with his insights and and beautiful way of putting things in words. He's got such a knack to to uh, to grasp the essence of something. So it was wonderful to 
to share some intellectual conversations with John as well. And Sonia, never mind him saying that you are the oldest in the group. I see you're a professor of law. Is that right? <laughs> That's correct. Yes, Sue. So let's give you, I mean, your accolade there. <laughs> you worked hard for that. <laughs> you know, uh, Rumi, the Sufi poet, says, I am a mountain. You call. I echo. And I just think that... That is so beautiful. I don't know whose dog is barking in the background, but uh, whoever it is, uh, we welcome dogs anyway. I think it might be outside my my station, yes. Uh, Outside your station, okay. All right. Now, um, Classy, tell me, was it very difficult putting this together over uh, in the COVID pandemics? Uh, Sue, yes, in fact, this was a combination of a trip that was cancelled in 2020. We were going to go last year in 2020, but due to COVID, we had to cancel that trip. And five participants decided that they're going to roll forward and take the chance of going in 2021. And when we started to resuscitate the whole program in October last year, um, about nine, can you believe it, people from the Cape, Western Cape and Stellenbosch area, or seven, uh, including Sue and me, my wife and I, it was nine, but uh, seven additional people from the Western Cape decided to join, which was, to me, a complete surprise. It is We are in this time where people are closing down, they're staying at home, they do not want to travel, and here we have a group of 15 people who put their hands up to go to Nepal and, and trek to Everest Base Camp. It was absolutely amazing. I, I almost couldn't believe the the, the, the audacity of the people to say, listen, I'm going to do this. <laughs> well, I think the audacity started with you, Classy. You didn't give up. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, we're just going to break, and then we're going to hear John and Sonia's story. This is Finding Human with Sue Jackson, only on 101.9 High FM. Right, John and Sonia, traveling is about finding things that you often never even knew you were looking for. This is a sentence that I saw the other day. Would, who would, which, who would you like to start, Classy? It actually takes a lot of time to reflect on and to process everything that we've experienced. And, and in doing so, it is absolutely true that, you know, in thinking back, um, on our absolutely wonderful journey, there are so many things, um, that I discovered along the way, not only about myself, um, but about nature, about other people, the way we live. The one that I maybe highlight um, as, as something that I discovered, um, and I didn't look for that, but it just happened, is, is humanity, being decent human beings. Mm. Um, and, and that is something that I encountered on a daily basis um, with our Sherpas, with the people we met along the way. Um, and, and that was just so powerful to me, um, just to, you know, to, to, to once again see that in action, to, to experience that on so many levels. It is mostly not something that I looked for. I, I never thought I would, you know, encounter that. It was, it's sort of, you know, we live our lives and we just carry on. But, but to, to, to see that, to experience that, to engage with that, uh, I, I, it definitely it's one of those things that definitely stand out as far as the journey is concerned. And you know, Sonia, what you say is so true because I think we live in a bubble. 
Mm. Especially in South Africa, we live in our own bubble here. We're far from, from most places. So for you to go and actually experience connection yes. in another country with another culture, people living totally different lives, must have been very fascinating to you. How did they receive you? How did you feel you were received? Oh, you know, you're going to get me close to tears, in <laughs> partly because of my gray hair and the fact that I appear old. Um, <laughs> you don't. <laughs> the, especially the, you know, the Shilpas, um who were our, our rocks as part of the journey. You know, the kindness and the love. Uh, it brought me to tears on many, many occasions. So I think I'd rather just stop there. I can see that it still brings you to tears. And I think what you're saying is incredibly powerful, actually, to to be able to connect on that level, which is a very deep level. Do you think the mountain had something to do with that? Without a doubt. I, I think the fact that you are you are surrounded by by nature in its fullest splendor. Um, it is, it is, it is majestic. It is, it is huge. It is, it's overwhelming. It's part of, you, you see that, you experience that. And I, I, I absolutely believe that, Sue, that it is, it is because we found ourselves in that particular space. And, so and it's the whole, it's almost the whole that absolutely. comes together. Absolutely. Without a doubt. Absolutely. John, do you, what do you have to add to that? What was your experience? Um, you know, Sue, it's, it's beautiful hearing um, Sonia just explain that because I think that emotion and intensity is what I certainly was also feeling because coming back and sitting on the aeroplane, I knew that my wife or family and friends were going to say, how was Everest? And I still don't know how to answer that question um, because when I left, there was something about getting to this Everest base camp. So this beautiful, that could be an achievement. Could I do it? Could my body do it? Could my mind do it? Would it be cold and get there to this icy world that I'm led to believe is between minus 10 and minus 20 degrees. And can I survive and get there? You know, it was all about this base camp uh, with these little yellow tents I'd seen. And as a kid, always dreamt of somehow getting near Everest. And I think the only way I try to understand it and my experience is, I've got back and thought my base camp experience was a matter of hours. It was sort of, I don't know, classy, how long? Two to three hours maybe. You know, we were there freezing, getting some pictures, looking at this, these majestic, massive ice-clad mountains. Yet we were walking for 13 or 14 days. You know, so in the context of a 14-day period, to focus on two or three hours feels all wrong. And that's got to say something because the majesty of what we walked in, the humility and poverty around us every step of the way, our physical challenge to our body with oxygen and things was just overwhelming. Watching the people farm and the subsistence farmers and, and grow their crops for winter times. Uh, and so one walks in humility and you get to see the people's reactions like Sonia has done. And so you also live through that. So there were just these unintended, um, parts and dimensions to this that somehow went on my radar. I knew I had a trek under me and I had to try and walk and get this done. But the richness of every step and every hour and the people we met and the little tea houses we lived in and, and the people were, were just phenomenal. So I think it's hard to explain, but I just want to say, I think for me, I'm trying to realize the two or three hours of base camp were really important. It was this thing about the destination, but clearly that 
cliched word, you know, the journey, the time and so on was really the, the reason and has left the, the most, uh, the biggest impact. Um, those are the stories. Those are the images in my mind. In fact, not so much base camp. In fact, it's quite boring, the pictures of base camp compared to the color and richness of everything uh, in the two weeks around that. So there was a connection with so much, with the other people on the group, with with the people that you came across on the on in the fifteen uh, days, and nature. I mean, there sounds to me like an incredible connection. And when Rumi said, "I am a mountain, you call, I echo," I think that's what I'm hearing from you yeah. both. That it's still echoing, and it will continue to echo forever. Which is the most wonderful thing to carry with you. As a young child, I walked up uh, 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 Montesaurus in South Africa, and I was young. And it's a, it's a, a many, many, many years later. It is still echoing in my mind. Classy. Let me hear from you. I, th- I think why we're struggling to express this experience is that. Life as a paradox is sort of captured in this whole experience. And to link on with, with what you said about Rumi, another one of his great quotes is, uh, beyond right and wrong, there is a field, and I will meet you there. Mm-hmm. And I think with this journey, we actually move into a spiritual realm. And, you know, this spiritual realm of, of acceptance and humility and laughter and and, and friendship, uh, and, and, and so, so in a way, this is not a physical journey. You know, we, we amongst ourselves in the group, it became very clear what John uh, was pointing towards that there is an external journey, and what I always tell people is, you think the, the the goal is to go to base camp? Yes, it is to go to base camp, but it's not. There is a profound internal journey, which is in a way beyond words, uh, and. In terms of, of uh, Viktor Frankl's dimensional ontology, when he, when, he, when he explains what it is to be fully human, and he himself was a mountain climber. Uh, so, so this the combination of the physical and the mental and the spiritual is all captured in this journey. And what we are struggling to express is that spiritual experience that we actually had. And that healing experience on all levels. You know, when you mentioned Viktor Frankl, when he came out of the camps, one of the things he which, first of all, he visualized when he was in the camps, in the concentration camps, he visualized those mountains and the freedom and the exertion of climbing those. But one of the first things he did when he got out and he strengthened himself was actually to go climbing. And he said that was one of the most healing experiences that he could ever do because that, again, was the physical, emotional, and spiritual healing of his soul. Classy, how did you prepare your group for this? Did you prepare them in, in, in what ways did you prepare them? So um, uh, 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 this is the ninth time that I've taken uh, on this journey. Uh, and I can, uh, I can safely say that this was by far the strongest group that we've ever taken. You know, I, I, uh, I, I guide this with both my wife and myself, and we've got uh, uh, partners on the police side, Sherpa partners. But this group was by far the strongest, and so they, they have a strong, they had a strong foundation. So there is a, there was a physical preparation. You know, we give them training programs, and typically the, the training program starts from about October. 
So there is a physical preparation, but the more important preparation for me is the mental. Uh, not only in terms of resiliency, which is uh, my, my word for, for, for expectations, that we manage the expectations well so that when they arrive there that um, they are not completely overwhelmed. Because for most people who've never been to a place like Nepal, that can be an overwhelming experience. What but, is overwhelming about it? So um, you arrive into an Asian city where it is noisy. It is there, there are no seemingly the traffic rules are very arbitrary. Uh, there is no robots. Uh, there are hundreds of little trucks and cars and motorbikes and cattle, all seeming to flow without any aggression, without any fist waving. Uh, a lot of hooting, but the hooting is a language to say, hey, I'm coming, I'm on your right. Hey, I'm coming, I'm on your left. You know, hey, I'm coming, I'm going to cross this intersection with buses coming in the opposite direction. So you look at this and you are just wide-eyed and you are pretty speechless. Um, uh, and it's a lot of nervous giggles, you know. So, um, And then you fly into the mountains and it is quiet. And it is peaceful, and you hear yak bells, and you see farmers tilling their rice fields, and you see little kids running down the hill giggling, and you see little kids running past you giggling, and you can hardly breathe. So <laughs> and do they stop and do they greet you along the way? Of course. No, they always, it's always a little hello, and, and no, they, they're so friendly. And you know what was nice for us is we were the first big group of the season, and, um, you know, if you follow the literature now, or the news now on, on, on Nepal, uh, they've had a, a spike in COVID, so there are very few trekkers. So in terms of a moral decision of is this the right thing to do given this time, it's, it's one conversation that we can have here. But if you ask the lodge owners of the tea houses where we stayed, and if you ask our facilitators, and if you ask our guides, and the yak herder, who this is his only expedition of the year. And our one guide, this is his only expedition for the year. Nothing is booked. Nothing is planned. He's got no other source of income. So for them, this is an absolute lifesaver. And, John, just tell me, when you actually did the walking and you stopped, did you did you speak to people in the group along the way or did you do that in the evenings? Was there debriefing in the evenings or what actually happened at night? Because um, so you walked five yes. to six hours, I think, a day. Yes, you? You, you've got these hours of walking and naturally – in those walking, quite often, I think I sort of made a, a decision early on to try and draw alongside somebody each day for a couple of hours. Um, and I didn't want to waste the opportunity. I think I did that for probably 12 out of, you know, the 13 or 14 that, uh, that, that I had time for. So there was, there was some interesting conversations because of the pace at which you walk and you're in a shared environment together and a lot of unknown that you're entering together. I think people were, my experience was people were quite free in their, their vulnerability, becoming vulnerable in their discussions. I found myself opening up, you know, and I was thinking, wow, okay, I'm not sure why, what am I doing with this? 
Um, and to a little one little uh, we, one day we stayed at this village. Uh, I think Classy will have to correct me, but I think it's called Dingboche. And we spent two nights there to adjust and acclimatize. And it's quite a tough hill that Classy drags us up to adjust. Uh, um, and the next day, though, the relief is there's this huge plain, an open plain to walk across. Uh, but I found uh, we're walking the next day through this plain. There was an icy sort of wind, prevailing wind into one's face, but it was flat. It wasn't tough. But it just got to a point of being overwhelmed. I was walking with somebody, and then I had to walk away. And I think for about an hour, I had sort of – I haven't declared this too often, but sort of had these tears, and I was crying because I didn't – and I just still don't know why. Um, I was overwhelmed by so many dimensions, and I think a lot of it was just grappling with this your own journey. You're in a tough space, so physically things are demanding, and you know you're going to hit this path, and the cold was there. But um, I think it's some of the reflections and the spiritual reflections and challenges to the very core of, of how you are brought up and how you are formed. And so, uh, you know, it was walking in that. And then in the evenings, just to come to your point, Sue, you know, I found I wasn't the only one with this kind of stuff clanging around in my head um, and deep inside my soul. You know, people are trying to find the words to articulate this and the person you'd be next to and – one evening we sat in a circle and shared some thoughts, you know, about these things. And the emotions are strong. So, so yes, the tea houses and the journey along the way offered so much opportunity. And my observation experience of it was, I, I think that's what Classy alluded to, a strong group. I think that was what actually was more important than the fact that physically we all got up and down. I think there's a strong unity in some kind of journey of discovery that we were on, almost not knowing it. Um, and I, I think it was, it was just beautiful from that point of view. So it's so hard to try and translate that for people's benefit when you're back home. But, you know, John, what you're saying to me is, is actually authenticity. And in that vulnerability, there is that authenticity. And you very rarely find that in your normal everyday lives. Yeah. So to be on an experience like that, you know, Viktor Frankl talks about tears as being a weapon of the soul. And that, yeah. you know, as a weapon of the soul, mm. they are so incredibly healing. Yeah. So to be able to shed tears now even and then, <laughs> I think mm. shows such authenticity and allowing yourself that vulnerability. We put up so many walls around us. If you would like to SMS us, please do so on 34519 or you can WhatsApp us on 061-895-1019. Craig, if you do have where that went off, you can let me know, but just hopefully everyone's safe. Um, Classy, going back to you, what is it you think that you did that actually also allowed people. Well, actually, I think I'll ask Sonia this. Sonia, what did Classy actually do that allowed you all to be so vulnerable and real? What was it? Um, Sue, I don't think it's something that he specifically did. I, I think it's uh, just the fact, you know, who Classy is. Um, the way that he connects with each and every human being, the way that he connected with each of us. Um, I, I think, you know, there was there was definitely a connection. Um, I, I can testify to that, and I'm sure the rest of the team members will be able to do so as well. Um, 
so there was just, you know, this 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 freedom and and to let go and to be comfortable. He created, so in a sense, the in connecting, uh, he created a safe space to to be who we want to be and to show whatever we wanted. So, so that was was absolutely amazing. Um, but I, now I do want to add, uh, Sonia, sorry, can we get back to that? I'm yes. going to get back to you. We're just going to a break quickly. Okay. This is Finding Human with Sue Jackson, only on 101.9 High FM. For all of you, cheese blinces, I think you would really enjoy if you come to Johannesburg. <laughs> right. Uh, this is Sue Jackson on Finding Human. And I'm back with guests, Classy Vessels, Sonia Human and John Turler. Um, right, Sonia, you were telling me about what Classy was doing. Yes, um, you know, the, the, uh, the first thing is, you know, the, the way that he connects to, to, to human beings, to each of us as an individual, I think, you know, creating the safe space. Um, most definitely, Sue, um, also his leadership. Uh, he has, he has unique leadership skills. Um, and it's, um, in, in creating that safe space, encouraging, um, you know, guiding, um, he also sets boundaries and, and you know, you must be at breakfast at eight o'clock. So that's not negotiable, which is fine. Um, so just this unique leadership skill. Sometimes, you know, walking out in front, setting the pace a few times. That was actually one or two times, but also, you know, just being at the back. So, so a, a wonderful, um, a wonderful leadership skill that I've never experienced in any other human being before. Um, and then the other thing I just want to say, um, uh, Sue, uh, and I'm getting emotional again. You're allowed yes. to. <laughs> you know, the most powerful thing that I saw about Classy is that he cried. Mm. And I appreciate that of any, any human being. Mm, how so, beautiful. Yeah, so there were moments when I said to him, I saw Everest and I cried. And, and he hugged me, he cried. Mm-hmm. And well, what a connection that must yeah, have been. Yeah. So I think that's all I have to say. <laughs> you know, Sonia, it sounds very much like you know, you know that uh, that you walked beside each other. You know, never mind in front or the back. You you were walking beside each other, all of you, all the time. So sometimes Classy would would. Lead and Classy's looking quite uh, tearful also right now hearing you, and I really appreciate your your honesty to tell you the truth. For those who have just tuned in, we're talking about the, uh, a trip that was done on by the street school run by Classy and his wife Sue to um, the Himalayas to the base camp at Everest. And they managed to get in there in pandemic time just before COVID hit the bed again. And they're wonderful experiences. So John and Sonia are here. Classy, tell me about what it is to be fully human. I'm going to give you an example. Um, there was a, sure, and, and I now have to try and control my emotions because this is, and, and forgive me listeners, um, you know, we, in this conversation, we are transported back to, and I'm now transporting myself back to a very particular moment, and it's, and it's such a beautiful moment of truth. Uh, life, I feel I need to control myself. So, okay, there, there we go. So, okay, so now we've off the mountain, we finished the trip, and a couple of us 
I've built in a couple of safety days in the trip because, you know, there's always risk of COVID delays. There's risk of weather. If the weather is bad, we can't fly into or off the mountain. They don't fly when it's raining or misty. So we had some, and, and we, we had such a, um, such a smooth transition that we had a couple of extra days to spare before our returns back to South Africa. And a couple of us went to a little place called Pokhara, which is a beautiful, it's the second biggest city in, in Nepal. It's on a beautiful lake at the foothills of the Annapurna range uh, in the Himalayas. It's beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. On this lake, and we were there just chilling and just like relaxing and so on. And there's a particular viewpoint that you can visit the one morning. So you need to book a taxi driver to come and collect you at five in the morning and he will drive you to a lookout point, point about an hour away, and then you can see these majestic Annapurna Mountains, uh, which is another vantage point. So we booked a trip uh, uh, for Sonia and, and, and John and, and another, another one, uh, Emily, another, another one of the, the group. And um, well, I think it was Marius uh, uh, who was on the trip. Anyway, so it started raining, which means there's no visibility, which means the, 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 the journey is, is useless. You, you go. But now it's five o'clock in the morning and I know they're going, the little taxi's coming and I, in my lying in my bed, I can hear the taxi arriving at the hotel and I thought I'm going to go down and just sort of be there because I now obviously have to decide, are we going to the lookout point or not? Because it's raining and it's actually no, there's no point in going. So we, I went down and we're having this discussion and the taxi driver is there and you know, everybody's looking at the apps on their phone about the weather and looking at the sky and trying to make a decision. And we decided to cancel it. And then the driver made a comment. And, um, you know, and I said to Sonia, OK, we're canceling it. Maybe just give him 500 rupees, which is like, I don't know, 60 rand, 80 rand or something. Just give him a little something for bothering to come at quarter past five in the morning. So Sonia took out the rupees. And walked to him and said to him, uh, thank you for coming. We decided we're not going to go, but here's something for your trouble. And I'm now I'm looking, I'm watching this. And it's like she had a snake in her hand. He looked at her hand and he said, I didn't come for the money. And you know, Sue, that is the attitude of these people. He came to take a Western guest to a vantage point to enjoy the mountains and to just enjoy the moment. Mm-hmm. And that is, that, that is what it is to be fully human for him. And how seldom you see Absolutely. It. He is not interested in the money. He's interested in being of service. Oh. Now he later took my wife Sue and I to the airport because uh, we flew back two days later and I chatted to him and he worked in the Middle East. He was working on a mining some place somewhere and he was driving and he's now back in Pokhara, back in Nepal, just, you know, doing his job as a taxi driver. But that, I, I just thought that was just such a beautiful moment. That's beautiful. A message has just come through from Professor Les Erwick in, in Australia and he says, Hi Sue, some John Muir quotes prompted by listening to Classy, John and Sonia. Keep close to nature's heart and break clear away once in a while. Um, sorry, just wait a second. Once in a while and climb a mountain or spend a week in the woods. Wash your spirit clean. And that is so true. And the, he, he actually sent another one, which I will send on to you. But that, that is, 
is very wash your spirit clean. How beautiful! Thank you, Les, for that. Um, you know, you also mentioned to me, classy laughter, John. Just you're on silent. Just turn yourself back on again. Um, just tell me about where was laughter appropriate in this trip? Um, I can't think of the top of my head, but we laughed so much. Um, there was permanent peals of laughter. And I think the lady sitting on here looking at me, Sonia, had a lot to do with all of our laughter. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, some of us in groups, there are those who are more introvert and quiet and others are out there with a see humor in, in every, around every corner and can also take the mick out of themselves. So we, we found opportunities to laugh. And, um, some of the things were pretty rudimentary. Like when you're walking for six to seven hours a day, Every now and then someone, the nature calls and you've got to go and find somewhere to relieve yourself. And it's not quite Western and sort of clinical as we'd like it to be. So the situations people got them into and, and how they ended up taking up different positions in different areas caused us all more than giggles. And then, you know, there were, there were just so many uh, things around the food and who ate what and who chose what. So there was laughter, I mean, at so many levels, you know, we, there was constant laughter and there were some jokers, you know, also on there who would always find something to laugh at or raise a joke. So laughter was such, you know, it's quite interesting you ask that. It's not something that I'd thought of because I've thought of this as, as we've seen already, there's emotion and difficulty and reflection. So yet it wasn't this, you know, this really deep sort of process that was doer. It had lots of really lightheartedness. And I think it was the joy of discovery, you know, and I think, and the relief. So I think when there's this relief out of situations, you laugh about things, whether it's your toes freezing or your hands freezing or <laughs> the hot water bottles in your, in your sleeping bag at night leaking. You know, there is just all these kind of things happening at every step of the way. So with we, we really, Sue, there was a, a great deal of hearty laughter, you know. How wonderful. We're just going to add break. This is Finding Human with Sue Jackson. Only on 101.9 High FM. So this is Sue Jackson and I'm back with John and Sonia and Classy and we're talking about their trip to base camp at Everest and I know the time is wrapping up. We're going to have to wrap up. Classy, unfortunately we have to wrap up. We, I'm going to have the three of you back on again if you would like to come back on because there's so much more to talk about, especially these wonderful experiences. Classy, if people would like to get hold of you, would you just give your street school a, a, a website? Uh, so it's uh, streetschool.co.za. So uh, street school, so one word, .co.za. Yeah, or classy 1A1S at streetschool.coza is my email address. Thank you, Sue. And I would also like people to listen to your blogs. The one on optimism that I listened to the other day was particularly good. Inoculate yourself with optimism. Very, very relevant to our lives today. Um, I am being told to wrap up. Uh, I'm sorry we did, we started a little bit late. I think, you know, the sirens in Israel have also um, thrown everybody a little bit, uh, the problems there. But I just want to just show you, you know, there's the one photo that you sent, Classy, and it was of a, of a, a woman with a little child with this huge bundle on her back. Mm. And that brought me to tears. Yeah. It's a mother. I thought to myself, so. so often we carry these bundles. 
and we feel that we are falling under them, uh, the, the, what, the yokes that we carry. And yet, look at her, and she's still got time to look after a little child. We can all learn so much. Sonia, how would you like to end? Thank you, first of all, Sue, for the opportunity to be part of this, this discussion. Um, one of the most, I've experienced one of the highlights in my life. Um, I look forward to a, a, a journey, uh, to continue with this journey. Hopefully, Annapurna 2023 class. Um, <laughs> it's, it's, um, it's amazing. Um, Sue, it's, it's, it's incredible. As I sit here, um, I, I, I am so energized. I am, I am so content. Um, there are so many positives that, that I can, that I can talk about. And, um, a, a huge thank you to, to Classy and Sue for, for making me part of their, their family, um, and, and part of this journey. Great, Classy. John, how would you like to end? Um, it's a good question. And I think I've got this, I've been tracking on, we, while we walked, Sue and everyone will know there were other trekkers, but they were not just going to base camp. We realized they were going to base camp, but their goal was much bigger. It was to get them, spend another month there to climb Everest right to the summit. And we met a few of these teams and Sonia and Klaus will tell you, we sort of met them at the tea houses and had chats to them and really got to know these, their fears, their hopes, their dreams, the really high levels of risk and danger. So I just want to say, you know, it's weird. We, I was trying to achieve my goal of base camp. These people have bigger things. And in fact, this coming next few days mm. is when they're looking at actually making their big summits and we're tracking them on social media. So, okay. you know, let's trust and pray that they're successful and that they stay safe and come back home to their families. And there's record breaking. So while we, we achieved so much there, people, we all have our own, our own really big summits that we're climbing, you know. So maybe that's just a final reflection from me, you know. Wonderful. And Victoria Erickson, I'd like to just end with this. Although I deeply love oceans, deserts, and other wild landscapes, it is only mountains that beckon me with that sort of painful magnetic pull to walk deeper and deeper into their beauty. So may we all continue to walk into our own beauty and find our own paths. Thank you so much. Thank you, Brissy, and thank you, Craig, for keeping us on air.